This is the Becoming a Better Man podcast, where men come to get over themselves so they can get to the next level for their health, wealth, and relationships in ways we never thought possible before, doing it together as one. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Becoming a Better Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wright, physical therapist. And this week, I want to talk about consistency and habits. Okay, so when it comes to habits, it's really easy to uh, get caught up in, uh, especially right now, it's New Year's time, New Year's resolutions. You know, we've, we've all got to start these new things because uh, last year didn't pan out the way we wanted to. And so this year, Starting at the first of the calendar year, it's always like the prime time to get started with something. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit like on last week's episode. I talked about why I'm not really a big fan of resolutions. And I wanted to dovetail off of that with this week's episode, talking about mastering habits and how consistency matters. Okay, are we cool? Everybody cool? Sweet. Um, all right, so so let's talk about habits, and especially as a, a, a man who's trying to better himself, who's trying to evolve himself. Uh, and, and generate more consistency in his lifestyle. It really all comes down to habits, all right? Guys, we talk about how we feel like we usually need motivation in order to go on to, like, for example, let's talk about diet, right? Because if you can uh, follow some sort of eating plan, food plan, especially when it comes to a diet, uh, that shows a greater thing. It talks more to our willpower and our ability to say no to ourselves than it does um, really any other aspect of our lives. So if we can really nail down the consistency to follow some sort of dietary structure, then who's to say we can't translate that over into other areas of our lives. So we're going to talk about diet specifically in this episode. Um, feel free to interchange diet with anything else, really. Um, that you're wanting to implement um, a consistent habit into your life. Cool. All right. So uh, we talk about diets, we talk about habits and changes, and we all think that motivation is a, is the effective piece for starting something. And to be honest, it's usually not enough to make sure that we're able to continue with that activity long-term. Motivation relies on willpower and willpower is something that you eventually run out of. Um, and, and using the laws of creating habits that I'm going to talk about in this episode, that's going to teach you more so how to put your diet on autopilot so that way you can stop relying on willpower, okay? Studies actually find that the key for long-term success isn't motivation, but it's rather habit formation, all right? It's not motivation, it's habit formation. And a habit is defined as an action which you automatically uh, do in response to a certain trigger, like when you automatically put on your seatbelt once you get into a car or you automatically wash your hands after using the toilet. Um, for more kind of examples, I think he does a really good job in his book of it is James Clear's Atomic Habits uh, book. I think he does a really good job of breaking down really the science behind habit formation and how to make something more easily introduced into our lives instead of trying to find a way to create some sort of insurmountable challenge or tasks that we're just not used to, um, to implementing and how 
almost impossible it is for that to be effective. So, uh, all right. So what some of the research says, like there's this one study that I pulled up by this guy named Gardner and his co-authors talked about how uh, behaviors become second nature, you know, where they're worming their way into your brain so that the participants in this particular study felt quite strange if they didn't do them, all right? Developing a habit for a behavior is very different from maintaining motivation to carry out a behavior. Do you see the difference there? Developing a habit for a behavior is very different from maintaining motivation to carry out that behavior. So motivation involves this feeling of effort to do something. And a habit feels weird when you don't do it. Does that make sense? You know, we, we think motivation is what we need and it's not what we need because that's a feeling of an effort to do something. And a habit is more so where it feels weird if we don't do it. So when you reach this point where an action feels like second nature, automation is said to have occurred. And when you've reached automation, uh, generally you'll feel like you don't need to use the mental energy to think about doing that thing. So it frees up your mind to focus more on doing other things, which is what you want. So the basic principle behind this is classical conditioning. And that's a concept that's proven by many years of psychological research. So where, where do we go when we want to start a habit or we want to start creating a habit? So I've broken it down into these phases. Uh, we, we'll talk about them kind of step by step. So the first phase is the initiation phase. So that's where you're choosing a, a particular behavior which you want to make into a habit and choosing what that trigger needs to be. So when you're picking a specific behavior, for example, uh, like weighing your food as a specific trigger after cooking it. So you make sure to choose a specific time and place that you will encounter every day to do that particular action. Next point, you make sure that you don't, so make sure that you don't vary your goal and that you keep it consistent. For example, um, set a goal to eat an apple every day when you come home, rather than to eat a fruit daily. You see the difference? One's very specific. One's very actionable, it's very specific. The other is more idealistic, you know? Um, what, what's another one I can use here? Instead of eat an apple, we can say, um, I'm going to read, for 30 minutes, you know, read this book, insert title of the book uh, for 30 minutes every day. You do that instead of um, read when I get home. So there's a difference between those two goals and, it, and it's about being very specific with your brain in order to trigger or elicit a particular response, which is ideally the habit that you want to incorporate. So even if variation is more fun, right? It's, it's less boring. Um, it honestly requires more quote motivation to maintain such a habit. And it also takes longer to reach automation. So if you're looking for variety, it's harder to make into an automatic behavior, right? So the more kind of specific, boring, mundane, the easier it is for you to make it an automated behavior, okay? Uh, and it's best that you choose the behavior for, for yourself it's it's far less successful like if i am telling you what to change or telling you what to implement that's why a lot of times i want to give my clients the freedom to figure out what it is that they want to incorporate into their daily routines and then i help just try to build that into the app that i use to where it's triggered every day they have to manually check it off 
every day after they've established what that goal is for themselves. So um, it's best that you choose the behavior yourself rather than letting someone else tell you what you need to change. So don't let your spouse tell you what you need to change. Don't let your kids tell you what they need to change, your coworkers, your whatever. You have to be the one that determines what it is about yourself that you need to implement uh, into some sort of consistency in a habitual sense, all right? And it's best if you start simple and small, uh, like drinking a glass of lemon water every morning. You see how specific that is? And it's got a time built into it. So the simpler and smaller it is, the better. Simpler changes become automated much more fast than complex ones. Like, for example, more complex one would be do 20 push-ups every morning. That's a little bit harder to do because you're not motivated to want to incorporate that. Drinking the lemon water, it's simpler, it's easier to stick to, and it's more specific. Doing the 20 push-ups is something to build up to after, after you've shown to yourself that you can incorporate smaller, simpler habits into your routine. Um, so here's a template, all right? So I'm gonna tell you guys this template that I like to give people. And I want you to write this down right now. Write it on a piece of paper, and I want you to stick it to your wall, your refrigerator, whatever. Uh, this is something I'm starting to use with my new clients. It's called the Right Fit Habit Tracker. So I want you to write down on one line, on the first line, I want you to write down your goal. Right? Write down your goal. On the next line, I want you to write down what will I do to help me reach this goal. And there's another line for you to fill in. Okay. And then the third line, when or where will I do it? Right? So the first one, first line, my goal. Second line, what will I do to help reach this goal? So what, you know, what action, what habit, what sort of task do I need to do every day to reach this goal? And then the third line, when or where will I do it? All right, those are the three things, simple. So the next phase of learning. So we've talked about initiation, now we're gonna talk about learning. When I said learning, we're talking about building habits. Uh, you're gonna be repeating the chosen behavior daily for 70 days, that's about 10 weeks, okay? This will help you effectively condition your brain to build the habit and the automation. And this habit will come easier and easier to perform with each day, I promise you. So first thing, don't be discouraged if you miss a day. All right, let's just get that out of the way right now. Missing one day has no impact on the rate of automating this behavior if you resume it the next day. All right, so don't beat yourself up for missing one day. All right, even research built around studying habit formation shows if you miss a day and you resume it the next day, you're not going to be uh, less or worse off in your prog progress for achieving automatic behavior implementation. All right. So automatic habit creation. And but you need to make sure that you do the action every time you encounter the specific time and place that you've chosen. All right. This requires some dedication, but it gets easier over time uh, using something like a daily tracking sheet. Like I just talked about above those three lines, um, it can help you. And also rating how automatic it feels at the end of each week will also help you see that the habit has become easier over time, right? There's this myth that, uh, you know, like it takes 21 days to form a habit, uh, but recent research shows more so that it's an uh, average about 66 days for automatic or automaticity to occur. Um, so there's, there's considerable variation between people and to imagine that one thing's gonna work for one person, so it's gonna work for everybody is just stupid. Okay, um, most of the research shows that across all different aspects of people with different lifestyles, different habits, different backgrounds, 
on average, it takes about 66 days. So that's why I've kind of rounded up to 70 days just to make sure it really sticks um, to make sure that you've got the ability to build that habit into uh, your daily, daily life. So next I want to talk, so we've talked about initiation, we've talked about learning phase, now we're going to talk about the stability stage. And that's where automation has occurred and the habits no longer, um, and the habit no longer feels easier, right? And like, so instead it feels weird if you don't carry out the action. And then you can say that, hey, I've, I formed a habit, right? Really simple. So that's where you're more of a maintenance stage, okay? So hopefully at least kind of breaking down that three-step method, you've got a little bit more of the tools that you need to automate the behaviors that you want in order to achieve your goals. Um, for example, like this is something I kind of break down in the 21 day becoming a better man breakthrough course. And I know like 21 days is not, um, realistic for something like really long-term that you can see more immediate short-term gains because it's, it's easier for you to wrap your head around. All right. I knew if I came, if I came straight out of the gate saying, Hey, 70 day program, here's what you're going to do. Automatically, you're going to roll your eyes. You're going to say, I don't have time for that. You're going to find every excuse in the book, not want to stick to it. So that's why I broke it down into 21 days instead of 70 um, with, with the hopes now of kind of creating a secondary program off of that to help you establish a more consistent um, habit forming, um, healthy lifestyle, healthy uh, self-care, um, healing, whatever you want to call it, uh, process about yourself. That's, that's in the works, but Right now, I just wanted to differentiate the two between my 21-day program and how I'm kind of crapping on it right now, um, because the research just doesn't show that it's effective for a long term. We're talking years of sustainability, not just, uh, you know, hey, I'm having a good few months here because I'm riding a high from this 21-day program that really got me in this groove every morning, right? Once that's over, then it's like, eventually, we regress to the mean. We want to go back to what our normal, uh, our normal thing is, all right? So... Uh, hopefully that three-step method of initiation, learning, and um, uh, stability, right? Those three stages um, have helped giving you a little bit more insight as to how to automate the behaviors that you want in order to achieve your goals. And I want you to keep this in mind. Um, the goal is to think long-term. So even though it's tempting to think that you can lose weight fast or you can um, become a better partner, or you can become a better uh, man or a business owner or whatever your goal is, uh, it's tempting to think that you can do it fast, but the evidence shows that you'll regain this weight, you'll slip back into old patterns, you'll repeat previous mistakes much more easily uh, and unless you make a long-term commitment. So thinking short-term and fast is not going to be the most long-lasting, the most effective for actually getting you what you're coming for, you know? Um, so instead of aiming to lose a set amount of weight over the next two weeks, aim to lose a set amount of body fat and keep it off for the next two years, okay? In fact, those who manage to keep their weight off for at least two years have been proven to drastically increase their odds of sustaining their, wealth, their weight loss even longer term than that, all right? So whatever insert goal in that, that sentence there, aim for trying to do something that's gonna make a difference over the next two years, right? And then you'll see that carry on even longer based on what all the studies have shown. So, we're going to talk about now forming good habits, right? Like what, what's the difference? What, what sets apart somebody who's been able to form good habits and somebody who hasn't, all right? 
The difference is being able to decide which habits you actually need to build. So once again, we'll use the scientific uh, studies and literature to help decide this for us. So if you want to become more like the people who maintain their weight loss or maintain their goal that they've sought out for, you actually need to look at what characterizes these people, right? What makes them different? Studies have actually looked into this and they followed people who successfully lost weight long-term for up to 10 years to look at what characterizes them or makes them different than the other people who haven't been successful. And um, they've, they've looked into it and uh, there's a study, this research review by this guy Montesi. Um, I, actually, I don't know if it's a guy or not, but uh, Montesi looked into it um, with his research, with their research partners. And they found that these people had seven common things about them, okay? And the last one's extremely important. So I wanna really emphasize number seven when we get to it. So again, along the lines of successful long-term 10 year plus weight loss, number one, they had high levels of physical activity. So they spent at least one hour a day being physically active. Um, physical activity in and of itself is, uh, is not an effective way of losing weight, but it is effective for keeping your weight stable. You understand the difference there? So losing weight, that's gonna take more of a regimented, structured, outlined approach. But just being active in general, much more effective for just maintaining weight, keeping it stable. So that way you're not fluctuating, gaining and losing the same 30 pounds every year, okay? Number two, they generally followed a low calorie diet, meaning they came in under uh, a surplus, right? A surplus means you're calculating whatever your body is able to burn at baseline and eating over that every day. And when you do that over time, it just accumulates and it builds up in the form of extra body fat. So these people generally followed a lower calorie diet, meaning that um, technically the diet was also low fat, but the focus needs to be more so on um, total energy, caloric intake, instead of just focusing on uh, the fat part of the content of the meals. So number three, they eat meals at regular times, even over the weekends, right? So over the seven days period, they maintain a pretty consistent eating schedule. Um, maintaining consistent eating patterns teaches your body when it's time to eat. So you might've noticed that even sometimes you become hungry at a certain time of the day. Uh, and this hunger is mostly habitual and you should therefore strive to know when your next meal is, right? Like you're building an automatic pattern for your body to be able to predict. So this way you can make sure that you get the right type of food at the planned time. And for example, eating breakfast regularly was also a common finding among these people who lost weight and were able to keep it off over, you know, 10 year period. Number four, they weigh themselves regularly. Now I know what you're saying. Oh my God, the scale is the devil. Weighing yourself is, is something that's not healthy. And the research actually shows otherwise. So. Uh, though there are some conflicting results on this point, uh, there's a high sense of awareness of your health that comes from knowing when you're slipping. All right. So just like monitoring your finances, monitoring your uh, frequency of your fights and your relationships, all those sorts of important things that you want to really kind of keep uh, ahead of and keep tabs on, it has to come from a sense of awareness. And how are you aware? You track data, you track information, occurrences, patterns. Um, that way you can adapt your behavior after you see these things change. So in many cases, the scale is used as a feedback tool, not as a, uh, 
a goal to meet, but more so a feedback tool just to give you information, right? But it does have its limits, and I want to take that into consideration. Number five, they had low levels of depression and high levels of inhibition, okay? Disinhibition means the ability to control oneself, and this behavioral trait was uncommon among successful dieters. So people who didn't have control or the ability to exert control over themselves and their decisions, they were not successful dieters long-term. So uh, I know it's partly genetic, so we always have to take that into consideration that you can decrease your level of depression through exercise and adapt your environment to your level of disinhibition. So I talk more about that um, in detail with my clients, but um, adapting to your level of disinhibition mainly just knows knowing where your weaknesses lie and how to minimize their impact on your life, right? Where are your temptations? Where are you unable to withstand control, okay? Number six, they had some form of a medical trigger. And a medical trigger can be anything like uh, doctors promoting weight loss for medical reasons, having a family member with a heart attack, or uh, simply just wanting to feel healthier when you're exercising. And so, um, for example, um, just listen to this episode can be a, me a medical trigger, right? Because it's providing information, promoting lifestyle change, a habit formation. Number seven, this is the most important one, okay? They continued to use behavioral strategies to control their diet, All right? And again, guys, take diet and insert any other habit that you're needing to incorporate change into, okay? So again, for simplicity purposes, we're using diet. I'm a fitness coach. I'm a physical therapist. This is my bread and butter, bread and butter. but I also know that these principles apply across the lifespan and across all areas of life. So um, pardon me if it's just diet heavy this week, all right? Successful people are constantly looking to improve and find a way to move forward. That is a common trait, and it's one of the most important ones that we're going to talk about here, number seven. Successful people are constantly looking to improve and find ways to move forward. That's the whole movement behind becoming a better man. So indeed, this, this episode, talking about these tips, is a behavioral strategy for diet control. So as a listener, using this episode, you're likely to become more successful with losing um, your, your weight long-term, right? That's cool. Cool, right? So I want to talk now about forming good habits. So talking about these seven traits that I just outlined, use them as a starting point. You can set goals to emulate these people who successfully lost and kept off their weight. And it can likely increase your chances of staying in control of that same weight that you're looking to, um, to tackle, right? And we're not saying that you might have like 50 pounds to lose, brother. It could just be five, right? It could just be 10. Or you might just be wanting to say, I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle. I want to be healthier. I want to feel better. I want to be more fit. I want to be able to pop up and down from the floor with my kids or my grandkids. These are, these are big, important strength goals, okay? So I want to talk about forming these habits and some ideas for habit goals to set from those seven traits we just talked about. So First one, uh, walking or biking to work every day to become more physically active. Simple enough. If it's not simple, it's because you don't want to do it. Uh, another one, eating a bowl of vegetables before dinner every day. So that's to help reduce the caloric density of your diet. Right? Eat a bowl of veggies before dinner, you're automatically taking in important nutrients, 
prior to whenever you might fill up on the other foods that you tend to prioritize over the vegetables. Another one, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner at 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 7 p.m. every day, even on the weekends. Another one, weighing yourself every morning after brushing your teeth, right? And this is more so, and this is what I like to tell my clients. I don't care that your weight fluctuates every day. What I care about is how we take the average of what that scale gives you information about over a seven day period. So let's say I'm weighing 210, 210, 215, 205, 208, you know, and so forth. So you take the average of all those numbers divided by seven, you've got a much clearer picture of reading one hour about nutrition, uh, fitness, um, personal development, um, spiritual development, growing closer to Christ, um, whatever you want to read about, whatever is important to you every night before you go to bed to increase your arsenal of knowledge in order to tackle the problem that you're trying to face in your life. Cool. Those are some good, some good examples, right? Okay. So one of the last things I want to talk about here when it comes to forming good habits. We're looking at more behavioral characteristics of people. All right, and then we'll wrap things up and we'll be done with it. I wanna talk about these, these people. And there's another study by Teixeira and, and their co-authors who found these following traits to be associated with dietary success. And it's not just, think about it this way, it doesn't just have to apply to diet, right? It can apply to any change. They enjoy taking action. This is also known as having high autonomous motivation. For example, feeling good about making your own choices. So people with high autonomous motivation tend to find the rewarding doing rather than focusing on the results. So it's just like, enjoy the process. Um, number two, they have confidence in their ability. So this is known as high self-efficacy. Believing that you can get through difficult times uh, and keep on going is the key to success, as you've probably heard before. Well, now you have science to back up that claim. Number three, they're good at keeping track of themselves. And I'll pause them for the dramatic effect there. They're good at keeping track of themselves, meaning they have a high sense of self-awareness. So just like we talked about above in the earlier minutes of the episode, weighing yourself is one form of self-monitoring, right? It's giving you information about yourself. Uh, the key to learn from this is to get into the habit of tracking progress, goal setting, and planning. So having a plan to follow drastically increases your chances of carrying it out. You understand? It's not just one thing to think about it, to talk about it, but to plan it out, to write it out, to commit to it. That's the difference. Number four, they had a positive body image. So even though being overweight is undoubtedly unhealthy, successful dieters don't think less of themselves for being overweight, right? They don't beat themselves up. They don't uh, throw pity parties. They don't feel frustrated. Rather, they just see it as an opportunity to challenge themselves and grow as people. And that's, I think, the big thing about us as men, wanting to become better men, is we should see it as an opportunity to challenge ourselves and grow as men, rather than just see it as a way to be down on ourselves and beat ourselves up, because that doesn't, that's not productive. All right, and the last trait uh, this particular study talked about is they're flexible, right? Flexibility is key. And that's a big thing I preach on with my private clients. You have to be flexible and to have a plan in place that 
incorporates flexibility is the only way you're going to be successful long term. All right. Consistency and sticking to rules is good, but trying to follow unrealistic, rigid demands on yourself only means that you're setting yourself up for failure, period. So when something doesn't go as planned, um, you should rethink how to make it work rather than to just abandon the plan altogether. And I guarantee most all of you guys have really been quick to pull the trigger on just abandoning the plan altogether whenever you start to slip up. So um, the last thing I really want to talk about in this episode, guys, is I really want to highlight how you need to believe that you are responsible for your own success, period. I've talked about it in previous episodes, but I can't emphasize it enough. I want to highlight that you need to believe that you are responsible for your own success, right? This is known as having an internal locus of control. If we want to get technical with the research, um, this is opposed to having an external locus of control where someone believes that they're at the mercy of luck and genetics, right? That's helpless, weak-ass man mentality, right? We're susceptible to whatever is happening around us instead of being in control of ourselves, okay? There's, a, there's something I heard this morning uh, in church, and it was talking about how, how can we maintain a sense of peace and a sense of purpose and a sense of power even if everything around this is crumbling, right? That's having a high internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. So even though the science indicates that genetics play an important role in how our bodies work and look and function, uh, science also shows us that believing that we have a high responsibility really makes a significant difference, right? So guys, I hope this episode was helpful. Uh, the key is just finding what's best for you, right? And whatever habit it might be that you're needing to incorporate, whether it be uh, getting on track with how you honor and take care of the body that God's given you with a uh, better nutrition set of habits to follow, or maybe it's setting exercise habits, or maybe it's relational habits or uh, self-discipline um, habits when it comes to how you take care of your mind, how you take care of your spirit, how you take care of your body, whatever, your finances. Being able to develop a set of consistency with your habits is the only way you're going to see successful results, period. But I want you guys to listen to this episode over again and figure out what things about this episode you can apply to your life when it comes to building the habits that you want to build, not just for this year, but for the next two years. So that way the next two years can turn to the next 10 years. You understand? All right. Wrapping things up here, guys. I appreciate you all tuning in for another episode. Really means the world to me that you guys even give me this platform <laughs> to be able to talk into and, uh, and just make it feel like um, a lot of the things that I've been able to learn, experience, go through can, is relatable, right? And I'm not just talking to myself, but I'm talking to other guys who understand what I've gone through and what I help other guys go through and get through. It's a really cool feeling and it's really humbling and, um, you know, really just makes me even further plugged into the idea that God's got a plan for all of us, man. He's got a plan for all of us. And if you think that he doesn't have one for you, then you're sadly mistaken. And one of your new habits for this next year or two is to uh, develop better ways to be consistent with how you honor your mind and your spirit. 
um, because you're going to find out that there's a lot of cool things being done that you're not aware of. And once you clue into it, once you're aware of it, you'll start to see big things change in your life. So um, if you want to talk about how to set at least like a little booster, right? Everybody's talking about boosters these days, right? If you want to get a little booster program on how to get set up on a healthy set of habits for your life to kind of get you kick-started and unstuck from where you feel like you're at right now, spinning your wheels. I've got the 21 day becoming a better man breakthrough course. Um, all this stuff, I've got a link in the comments or not in the comments, but in the uh, show notes, in the description of the episode, or even this, the description of this video, if you're catching on YouTube, click on that link, you'll see uh, 21 day becoming a better man breakthrough course. Click on that, sign up hundred bucks, 21 days. I'll get you in the Facebook group. We'll build a community there. You can take part of some cool uh, interactions with some guys that are really uh, inspirational and, uh, and build that sense of community. So really cool to see there. And of course, you'll see the other things that I do for guys if one of the other options is more appealing to you. But uh, I think that's a good kickstart. And then we can hopefully transition that 12, that 21 days into 70 days. And it becomes a long-term habit that's ingrained in you automatically instead of just something that you're doing for a short period of time, right? That's not going to be long-term, which if it's not long-term, then why are you doing it? You know? Why do you want to be a better man for just three weeks? Why don't you want to be a better man for life? Right? And it really encompasses how we honor our bodies, our spirits, our minds, our emotions, our relationships, our finances, our businesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So appreciate each and every one of you guys. Um, appreciate the love. I really love the emails that I get from you guys. I love the questions. I love the new guys that get signed up with my programs. Uh, it's really cool cool thing to be uh, kind of heading up. So thanks guys. And if you have any questions, if you have any needs, make sure you follow me on social media. If you like this episode, share it out, tag me, becoming a better man on Instagram. Uh, you'll recognize the, the profile picture because it's the same one that I've got here on the episode. So, um, and in the show itself. So anyway, having said all that, that's it for this week. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. So that's it for this episode of Becoming a Better Man. If you found this episode helpful or interesting, something that you could apply to your everyday life, please post on your social media platforms what your takeaway was from this episode, as well as taking a screenshot with the tag Becoming a Better Man. So that way we can help spread the word on Instagram and Facebook and help get more men aligned with their purpose, trying to become better every day, for themselves, their communities, and their families.